You know, a good thing is when half the congregation leaves when you dismiss for children's church. That's a good thing. If you have your copies of the scriptures, please turn to 1 Corinthians 9. We'll pick up kind of in the middle of a thought that Paul has, but it is key to what we're thinking about. I think this or somebody last weekend talked about the fact that we're starting a series on the spiritual disciplines. Um, but before we do that, do you want to do it now, Narita? Narita, do you want to talk about the goodness of God now? Or do you want, would you rather wait? Come on up. Okay, we'll, we'll wait on that. Okay. Sometime I want her to tell a story about the goodness of God. By the way, and thank you for not skipping the last song. Ah, the resurrected Christ uh, is a powerful. So uh, we're going to read a couple verses here. It is at the end. This is a, a kind of a difficult passage sometimes to understand because Paul is saying, when I'm with the Jews, I become all things Jewish. When I become with the Greeks. And it's hard for us to understand what he means by that. And, and in a world where individual rights are the primary mechanism that we talk about individuality, Paul is saying, I don't care about my rights. I care about something bigger. And then he uses this example. He says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. That's the end of of chapter 9. And Paul is writing this in Rome. And the games, they would call it the games, are being played in Rome. So every day that Paul would have seen runners and boxers, the two primary pieces of the Olympic Games then, he would have seen runners and boxers practicing, doing their thing. And he said, so all the runners run. Now, I have a couple questions for you. If you want to become a good runner, what must you do? This sermon is not about how to be a good runner. There are a couple things you have to do in order to be a good runner. First of all, you have to... uh, I love this quote, by the way. The trouble with jogging or running is that by the time you realize you're not in shape for it, it's too far to walk back. So you may as well run. Uh, That's why I can't run loops, because I'll quit. I have to go out, and then I have to run all the way back. Um, But if you want to be a good runner, you have to eat well. Um, The long races, the ultramarathons, the famous thing you say is, uh, it is a contest of eating. If you can eat while you run, uh, and, and you have to hydrate, you have to stretch, you have to study the mechanics of running, and some people have to take cold plunges. I'm not there yet, but anyway. Uh, you know, these are all things. What am I missing here? There's, a, there's something I'm missing here. Something really crucial. If you want to be a good runner, what must you do? Yeah, exactly. You have to run. You know, you actually, you can study the mechanics of running. You can stretch. You can hydrate. You can eat well. But if you don't do it, you won't be a good runner. 
Paul's saying that in, in the passage we looked at in 1 Corinthians. He's saying, every day I see these runners running, and only one will win. But, uh, and, and then if you practice the discipline of running, what will, what will they give? And I had to do this a little bit personally, but it gives you the ability to run. Practicing running gives you the ability to run. Not fast, maybe. <laughs> the ability to master my physical body. There is something, there's a really good feeling when you eat well, you hydrate, and, and you exercise, and you run. I'm, you know, I like running. Actually, I like it. The first two miles, I have to get rid of everything in my head. But then after that, it becomes actually fun. Uh, painfully fun. But it gives it, there, there's something powerful about saying, this is my physical body, and I'm going to take care of it, and I'm going to master it. The, the delayed gratification of finishing a race. Some of us get medals, or get a medal. A few get, one, only one gets that first prize medal. It allows you to stay, remain focused, and better health. So these are the, the things that you get when you run. Mike, uh, Liz, uh, runners in church. Where's uh, Brandon over there? Uh, some of the rest of you exercise. I mean, is this a fair reflection? Is it fair? Jamie, is it fair? Yeah. Now, Jamie might get that first medal prize, and Mike, but uh, anyway. Okay, so, so Paul is saying, okay, so you have this example of running. Now, I want to think about the spiritual disciplines. What is it that we can do spiritually to grow? Uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Russian dissident who spent a large portion of his life living in a labor camp in Siberia. And then when he was out, he wrote books uh, and wrote about it. He said, the meaning of earthly existence is not, as we've grown used to thinking, in prosperity, but in the development of the soul. Emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence are things we should aspire after rather than wealth. Do you know how fast your wealth will go when you uh, need to spend it in nursing homes and places like that? It means nothing. So the meaning of earthly existence, and, and by the way, we need to be reminded of this. We are constantly covered over with messaging that just grow, get rich. Follow the American dream, and you'll, 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 be, you'll be successful. What does true success look like in humanity? And who would you rather hang out with? People who are going after uh, prosperity or people who have at least a level of spiritual and emotional intelligence? or depth, or maturity, or developed souls. Now, I did not know if I wanted to preach. I did not know if we, I wanted to enter this series. Like, I kind of quit talking about it too much, because I know what this means. Like, this means something about me, and I'm, maybe this is all about me, and you don't have a... This is about me. Just because I'm up here preaching doesn't mean I've arrived. And, and to me... As I think through, uh, as I think through the the ideas of what it means to be a strong believer, what it means to be strong in Christ, 
and, and what it means to be, have a developed soul, um, I, I feel uh, lots of... It, it'd be easy to go to a place of shame, but I also realize that if you go to a place of shame, you will never grow beyond that place. And so to, to actually say, I need help growing myself is the most powerful thing you can do. I need help. So what are the spiritual dif- disciplines? They're habits, practices, or and experiences to develop, grow, and strengthen certain qualities of the Spirit. I'll give this to Neoma, and she can post it onto the Facebook page, because for the next 12 or so Sundays, we're going to be talking about individual pieces of this. It's to build the muscles of one's character and expand the breadth of one's inner life. It, do you get now the running illustration? So how do, you, how do you become a stronger runner? You have to do an, multiple things, but most of all, you have to practice running. If you want to develop the spiritual disciplines, and by the way, there, it's much more than just praying, and it, there, there's an entire list uh, that we'll show you after a bit here. But you have to, this is about building the muscle of one's inner life. And so this is where the conviction kind of hit me as I was preparing for this this week, is how much have I done in my life to, to develop the muscles of my inner life? To strengthen, to become powerful as an inner person. Interestingly enough, some of the work that I, some of the things I've been reading this week in relation to this. By the way, I'm ordering copies of a book. There'll be multiple copies here. If anyone, there's a book called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster that you should probably look at, at least look at portions of it. So if this seems a lot like the book, yeah, it's been shaping. It's probably the most powerful book about the disciplines. And here is the difference between Richard Foster's book and other books I've read about disciplines. Most of the things that we often hear or read about the disciplines make us feel duty-bound. Yeah, Emily, you're smiling. Duty-bound. Like this kind of, oh, I have to do this. Huh. And suppose it's not like that. Suppose it's a little bit like running. That at first, it's hard to drag yourself into it. But when you're into it, you suddenly feel something. It's high. You get this, this rush. Pose. This is about building joy in our lives and building grace in our lives and building strength in our lives. Suppose it's not about some kind of duty. But suppose it's something that will enrich you and make you a much more engaging and powerful person. Well, some of the reading I started saying, some of the reading I've done, I, I read this guy who is distinctly Christian, but he writes to a broad audience, and he suggests that these are habits that everyone, whether you're an atheist or a Christian, should practice. Now, it'll be different for people who believe in a living God. But, so, so the, the desperate, and this is Richard Foster, the desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. People with depth. And so, so here are some common misconceptions about the disciplines. First of all, that the disciplines, and I'm, okay, so I'll try to, there, there are things like meditation, prayer, journaling, uh, uh, fasting. There's a list of 12 that we'll look at in a few minutes. So, so just to give you context. And one of the things that we often think about is they're only for spiritual mature people who have more time than I do. 
You know what? Spiritually mature people get to the place where they're spiritually mature because they've practiced these. And if, if you want to grow as a person, it's going to take discipline. It's going to take work. It'll take running uh, to actually make it happen. And all of us have the same amount of time, and the people who are spiritually mature often have a lot more going in their lives than we do, and yet they're at this place. And, and one of the reasons they actually are able to be so strong in the kingdom is because they are spiritually mature. So this is, not, this is for everyone in this room. The, the children are all out. Children, actually, you, you help them develop it as well. But this is for everyone in this room because everyone can think about <coughs> their own spiritual journey in this room. Everyone in this room can think about it. So this is for all of us. The second thing that we often think about is there a dull drudgery aimed at exterminating laughter and joy. Suppose they're not. Suppose they're supposed that you, you, if you practice these, you'll actually become a more joyful and more laugh-filled person. Suppose that would be the case. Suppose, Ed, if you... Uh, no, I won't pick up. But suppose you practice the other things and Ed will laugh even more. He'll line dance better. Because something inside of him understands what the world in a way. And, and I, I'm convinced that if we actually um, grow spiritually and grow in these areas, we will become people that people will enjoy being around. Because you're full and rich. The, the, one of the other misconceptions, and this I put in here because of my conversation with my brother-in-law who's in jail. So my, in my conversation with my brother-in-law, he said, and I, by the way, I am asking him permission to share his stories. Uh, he said, um, he said, out there in the, in the world, he's, he's my age, he's 53 now, he said, I've lived all my life outside of jail except for the last 60 days, it was when we talked, 61 days. He said, but I'm realizing something. Out there, people can survive for four to six months, not necessarily developing their spiritual journey. And you can kind of get along. And, you know, because you're just kind of coasting. He said, in, in jail, I can't do that. He said, it, in two days, I can tell in two days if I'm at... He said, I said, why is that, Bob? And he said, because the cosmic battle, the difference between right and, good and evil is so pronounced in here. It's so pronounced. It's so strong. And because of that, I can immediately tell if I don't, I don't spend time praying and time meditating, and time writing. For him, it says, and time alone. He said, I can immediately tell in two days. I don't want to see the guys anymore. They, don't, they quit coming to my cell. But if I develop my, if I keep working on my spiritual journey, he said, suddenly they start showing up at my cell and want me to pray for them. And I'm like, oh, he, he caught something. And in, in the Western world, we are taught that the physical reality of, of, uh, of flesh is all there is. You know what? There's a great cosmic battle going on, a battle between good and evil, and you get part of it. This is about spiritual warfare in a way that is powerful and profound. So, the, and the third, uh, uh, the fourth kind of misconception is you don't know how to do disciplines. You know what? Just keep listening. You, you all know how to do them. That's an excuse we use to not do them. And there is no right way of doing them. 
The point is like running. You just do them. So what is the purpose? And this list is way too long. We'll make these, I'll make these lists available. But if you actually practice the, in, the spiritual disciplines, it will allow you... How would you like to live a life receiving insights from God? How would you like to live a life where you actually hear God speak to you? The only way that's going to happen is if you stop and engage with God and make it happen. That's the only way. God is not some, yeah, he could do this. He could write on the wall like he did in Daniel's time. He could speak audibly like he did to the Apostle Paul. But generally, he speaks to us through the time we set aside to listen. How would you like to conquer the worst part of yourself? Ourselves, me. Suppose I gave you a three-by-five card and said, what's the worst thing about you? That'd be really interesting to get get up here and read them. (laughs) And we start to guess who they are. I know, just kidding. (laughs) Okay? How would you like to conquer? The only way you're going to conquer the problem parts of you, the parts of you that are sinful, is if you stop and take stock and let him speak to you. It will allow us, I, I thought this was fascinating, it will allow us to hear our inner voice. Sometimes we know the way We know what we're supposed to do, but we don't stop long enough to listen to even ourselves. Uh, I won't go through all this. Um, It'll allow you to forge good habits, to demonstrate moral courage. Remain focused on what what we're called to. Each of us has an individual calling in the kingdom of God. You are uniquely you, and you will never discover that in the kingdom of God, if you don't stop and take the time to allow Jesus to develop you so that you can reach out to people around you. You want to be a better Christian, you do these things. Now, disciplines are not how we earn our salvation or keep our salvation. They're not. And by the way, um, if you do not practice them like me or practice them like Chris or anybody like that, then, then... that, that doesn't mean you're doing them wrong. But you cannot work your way into salvation or keep your salvation by practicing the disciplines. The disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. So what we're doing when we're practicing the spiritual disciplines is we're putting ourselves in front of God and saying, here I am. Please change me. I think of the verse as my life verse it's in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, But we all with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed from image. So we all with an open face. He's talking about Moses going up on the mountain and taking the veil off. Moses did not put the veil on when he came down from the mountain so the people would see the, uh, because he was so bright. He put the veil on because his, the glory faded away. And he didn't want the people to see the glory fade away. Paul says that. So when Moses went up on Mount Sinai, he went up with an open face and beheld the glory of the Lord. And then he put the veil over his face because that glory was fading away. Paul is now saying, you can engage with God in the same way, with an open face, look into God's face. When that happens, it allows you to be changed into his image. And you don't have to worry about the glory fading away. But we all with an unveiled face look at God. So the inner righteousness 
that we seek is not something that is poured on our heads. God has ordained the disciplines of the spiritual life as the means by which we place ourselves where he can bless us. You want to be blessed by God? Then try this. In this regard, it would be proper to speak of the path of disciplined grace. It is grace because it is free. It is disciplined because there is something for us to do. It's almost like there is all this grace out there that's accessible to us. The only thing we need to do is stop and receive it. That's powerful because that's something we all can do. We don't need training for that. We stop and we listen. Now be careful not to worship the disciplines or to see them as the end goal. The Pharisees did this. They were very good at externalizing the disciplines. Oh, look how long I fasted. Oh, I read the scriptures and I know them. I pray for a long time. I give. And the widow comes along and puts her two mites in. And when she does that, Jesus points to her and says, She has given more than all of you. And the Pharisees, what's he saying? They they externalized the disciplines. Uh, They were very spiritual and very disciplined. But they only externalized them. And, And so they are not the end result. We do not worship the disciplines. I don't care how long you spend reading the Bible. That's between you and God. And... So, so it, is about, it is about connecting with God. And be careful to not manipulate and control others with your spiritual practices. People do not have to practice it like you. That's the joyful part of this. It is unique to you. But what you have to do is run. You have to do it. And when you do it, you access that grace that changes our lives. I find this really refresh, really convicting, actually. We must lay down the never-ending burden of always managing others. Like, I want, so I want this kind of formula. I want to tell you, if you spend 45 minutes a day reading your Bible and praying, you'll access that grace. That's a formula that I can put onto you to control you. It's what the Pharisees did to their people. And Jesus said, they don't get it. They don't get it. In fact, they lost it. Remember, this is about your inner transformation. You want to change? It's about you changing. Now, there are three layers of disciplines. This is where we get into them. There are the inward disciplines. There's four in each. And what we propose as a a team is that we preach through these 12. Now, we may not put them in exact order that you see them here, because, for instance, we want Wayne, we've already picked one out that we think Wayne should preach because he's doing really well at it. He's practiced this. And we want people who are practicing it so it's not just theoretical. So I don't know if I can preach on any of them. All right. No. Yeah, there's pieces of this. Then there are outward disciplines and the corporate disciplines. Let's just look at them. In the inward disciplines, therefore, there is meditation. Okay. That's reading Scripture. And thinking about Scripture. There is prayer. And again, I think it was Chris the other day who talked about prayer. I, I, I struggle. I'm the kind of person, I'm ADHD, and my brain can bounce off one thing and go immediately to another. Uh, ask my wife sometimes, my conversations jump from, doink, 
to doink, to doink. And she's like, why did you ask that? Well, because I saw so-and-so, and that made me think about so-and-so and so-and-so. So kind of this kind of formalized prayer where I spend an hour praying doesn't work very well for me. But what I've discovered is that I can put markers in my life. If I can put markers in my life, uh, for instance, if I am driving down the road and I see I go by uh, one of you or your businesses, I try to pray for you. And, and I think that's what Paul means, pray without ceasing. It's that we, we are in an attitude of prayer all the time. Meditation. What does it mean for a group of people to, to think about Scripture, each of you individually? For some of you, that might mean reading half an hour. For some of you, that might mean five minutes or putting on a three-by-five card or doing something like that. I have a friend who is an Amish preacher who has a mantra, he says, Be before be. Bible before breakfast and Bible before bedtime. And that's how he, that's how he practices this part of it. So, so it, it can be, it, it's different for all of us. But we'll, we'll look at these pieces. Fasting. What's the point of fasting? Losing weight. But where do we start? And some of you may not be able to, but you can abstain from certain things. But is it just about abstaining? See, the Pharisees came around, yeah, we've fasted all day. <laughs> look at us, skinny little men we are, and whatever. And Jesus may have well have said to them, that's just about your physical condition. That's not about your heart. And then there is studying or journaling. The, the idea of actually articulating your thoughts and ideas. I think of my wife in this area. She, I, I need to start journaling again. I journaled for years. I have this section of, of uh, bookshelf, and you're not looking at them, Okay. You're not allowed to look at my journals. You can look at all the rest of my books come to my library, but you're not allowed to look at my journals. For for some of you, that's simply diary keeping, but there should be a mechanism to record something about your own spiritual journey. Might mean talking into your phone or whatever you do. But how is it that you reflect that back? Narita writes, and I know I'm trying to learn. Our house is smaller. In our other house, we used to have separate space, and I love mornings. You want to have a good conversation with me? See me at 5.30 or 6 in the morning. And, uh, and she's out there journaling, and I'm learning when I hear the scratch of the pen to stay out of the way, to respect her enough. You know, I think about prayer. One of the most joyful people that Narita and I have ever met was an older Catholic woman. By the way, Catholics have developed really good practices that we can learn from. Uh, a, an older Catholic woman who um, had a really tough life, but she... She ended up, the end of her life, really giving out a lot, spiritually ministering to many people. She got up at 3 a.m. every morning and went outside and walked and prayed. 3 a.m., you know, that's middle of the night. It's halfway between 12 and 6, for those of you who don't know that. She did that. And it reflected in her joy. She had a reservoir of joy that was absolutely amazing. And you can attribute it back to these things. So you want to build your reservoir of joy? Here you go. Here's one way. So those are the inward disciplines. There are outward disciplines. Did you ever think about simplicity as a discipline where you actually work doing things in a more simple way? To simplicity. That doesn't by the way mean 
less possessions. It means how we treat those possessions. How we think about them. How open-handed we are with them. It also means that we, we work hard at decluttering our lives, our spiritual lives. There are a solitude and silence. Is there anyone here who has ever gone uh, to a Catholic monastery or a place where solitude and Somebody here? Anyone here? Mike? Yeah, some of you. How long a period? Not long? How about back there? I'd like to try that. I'd like to try a three-day one where you're not allowed to talk for three days. And you don't hear anything except sounds produced by nature. You hear no human sounds for three days. Uh, I... I um, that would mean, you know, putting your uh, mechanisms into neutral. These mechanisms, of the phone mechanisms and stuff like that, into neutral. A place I hunted deer at for a number of years did not have phone service. And I would go there and I'd, you know, get on the stand about 6 in the morning and I'd stay there till um, 5 at night. If That shows you how often I shot deer. I didn't. Very... Um, a few times, but um, one of the things I discovered is about three hours into it, I would get all antsy. And I'd kind of think, well, how can the world go on without me? No one can communicate with me. I can't talk to anybody. And it actually produced anxiety within myself. Because, but, but when, when, once I got kind of through that, I could actually start to think and write a little bit. So solitude and silence. That, that's a discipline. How about obedience and submission? These are terms that I think have been ruined in some ways by our, the Christian world. What would it mean to... Uh, to and by the way, I, here I mean not necessarily... Here I mean listening to the voice of God and obeying. So what would it mean like to have God speak to your hearts and you say, I'll do that? This is not some kind of duty-bound Obedience, so I have to keep those rules. The Pharisees did that, and Jesus condemned them for it. It is actually God speaking to your hearts, and you being open enough to hear that, and saying, okay, God, I'll do that. I'll say that. I'll bless them with this. I'll give that. How about service and giving? Have you ever thought about giving as a discipline? And serving others? It is. And then there are the corporate disciplines. Confession. Do you know we have almost no mechanism in our church services for confession? The Catholics do. Um, I think, see, I think Chris should set up a screen up here and sit behind it Saturday afternoon from 2 to 6, and you should file in, and you should tell him all the things you did wrong that week. <laughs> Let's journaling. <laughs> but we have no mechanism for confession. We are all put together. You know, we didn't do it this week, apparently. But confession and being open enough to talk, tell your, the people close to you what you're doing wrong is a part of the spiritual disciplines. How about worship? How about guidance? 
this is an interesting one because sometimes you need guidance and sometimes you give guidance. Suppose you went to somebody and say, I, I, I want to be disciplined enough. I've been hearing from God. Help me put this all together. Help, me give, help give me some guidance. Sometimes we call it mentoring. But you need it. You need it. All of you need it at some level or other. I, uh, Merle Burkholder always said, every person needs a Timothy in their life, somebody you're giving to. Every person needs a Paul in their life, somebody you're receiving from. And every person needs a Barnabas in their life, somebody you walk alongside of. And that is so true. I don't care where you're at on the journey. You always need guidance. And sometimes your mentors speak words of life into you. And when you're open enough to receive that, disciplined enough to receive that, it changes your life. And then celebration and gratitude. Suppose gratitude is a spiritual discipline where you practice gratitude. Like sometimes Narita and I will say, what are... When we're, maybe when it's not going as well as we think, what are three things we're grateful for? And sometimes it takes discipline to do that. To say, oh, I'm grateful for this. This all kind of... So, so over the next uh, roughly three and a half to probably four months time, because we have communion in between there, and Nate Pendleton is coming, and so on, we're going to be preaching about each one of these individually. And we're going to try to make it practical. And so for today, in order to make it practical, I want us to think about a couple things when it comes to to the spiritual disciplines. Number one, just do them. Just start running. Actually, I don't run. uh, I don't run. I run walk when I start program. I, I have a bit of winter fluff on me right now, and I've got a race coming up. Uh, at least I'm signed up for one. And in order to get to that place, I have to actually go out and start running. I have actually read articles this week about running, a uh, mechanism of running, and I bought a new pair of shoes, which is the greatest fun of running, is buying the shoes. And uh, they aren't working for me. I tried them, but um, and now I know. But, you know, I, I, I like the mechanical piece of But now I've got to go out and run. And, <clears throat> and you can't me- I can't measure myself against Mike, who is, is younger than I am and has run a lot more. I can't measure myself against him. I have to measure myself against the measure of Marcus and say, okay, if I run half a mile and then walk 200 yards, or I, you, you get what I'm saying? Just start doing it. So th- that's where we start. We start by thinking, uh, just do it. And the second thing I want you to remember that's very practical is this is about your inner transformation. This is not about a bunch of rules that the church has or a group effort. It's about your inner transformation. Do you want to change? Do you want to become more like Jesus? If you do, there's a price to pay. The price is the discipline. But the joy that will be at the end of, in the middle and the end of that. See, there is joy in the journey when we do this. And, and the third thing I want you just to practically remember. So just do it. Just start. And, and by the way, when we go through them, we'll try, like I said, we talked about this, we'll try to give you practical tools. But we also want you to know that it doesn't, just because we do it a certain way doesn't mean you need to do it that way. You figure out which way to do it. And some of them, you say, okay, I'm going to work on this one for a while, then I'll work on that one. We just want to give you good tools to do them. And, uh, and remember that we never worship the disciplines themselves. We, we don't worship how much time we spend in, in Scripture reading or how much time we spend praying or I fasted 
uh, five days, or you don't worship those. Those have no meaning outside of a relationship with Jesus. They, they may have a limited, they have limited meaning outside of a relationship with Jesus. And it, it boils down to whether this is our heart or not. As the deer pants for the water. For as the deer pants for the flowing stream, so my soul pants for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and be, appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me continually, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How would I go with the throng and lead them to the procession, lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts? and songs of praise, and multitude-keeping festival. It goes on. But is it your heart? Is this your heart? To pour out your soul. To be the kind of person who says, I'm thirsty. I want more. Or, I'm pretty satisfied with where I'm at. I have kind of have it all together. Or is your heart to say, I want to grow. I want to become more like Jesus. If that's your heart, then you, you study them, you take some cold plunges, and then you start running. Just like the runner who runs for a little bit of merit, Paul says, each of you is running a race. And in that race, you are called to take the steps necessary to feed your soul and to care for your own soul. Let's stand together. The worship team will come up. Let's pray. Now, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give me the strength to do what is necessary to... to, um, to take the steps I need to do to be the, person, the man of God. And for each one here, I pray that you would bless each one of us in our own efforts to grow in our spiritual journey. In the name of Jesus, amen.